Yeah. I feel like people don't. People don't wanna rep their city, man. Red city. I rep my city. Portland 503, I need to stand up right now. OG, wanna see with G. We got what you want. We got what you need. Come and light it up, up. Come and join the team. We got what you want. We got what you need. Come and light it up, up. Come and join the team. Blazer. What's up, everyone? It's me, Boyd Urban, here with the Blazer Gang Podcast, and I want to thank all you listeners for tuning in. It's March 2nd, and we're recording from Henry V. Events here in North Portland. Whether you're listening to us on Spotify, iTunes, or Google Music, make sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Also, don't forget to follow us on Facebook as Blazer Gang, on Twitter at Blazer underscore gang, and on Instagram at Official Blazer Gang. Now, Despite last night's heartbreak versus Raptors, which we'll get into a little bit later, it's a great day to be a Blazer, and I'll tell you why. The sun is shining out here in beautiful Portland, Oregon. The Blazers are 4-1 and one on their current road trip so far, and we've got a great show lined up for you guys today. By now, you're all familiar with the newest Blazer, Ennis Cantor. Well, we've got a great interview with Cantor's manager coming up shortly. We'll also check, check in on the Blazers' road trips, reflect on those games a little bit, and a few of the things that have happened off the court in this last week. But first, let's hear from our co-host today. In this corner, the man who will take any bet, Mr. Anything is Possible himself, none other than Wang. How you doing, man? What's good? What's good, man? I'm doing fantastic. It's a beautiful day on a Saturday evening right now, so I'm ready to get it. You have any luck at the casino? I didn't go yesterday. Last week, I lost 200, but you know, it is what it is. Live to fight another day. Yes, that's true. (laughs) Now, in the other corner, he's as cool as the other side of the pillow. He's an avid, mellow truther. Man. We have Mr. Chris Ailey Alex. Man, what's going on? What's up, Chris? I, I feel like we're going into, you know, into a fight tonight, man. I know, I know what we got. MMA tonight, right? Yeah. UFC. Yeah. yeah get, some, so. get some ding 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 yeah. ding. How are you guys doing today, man? I'm doing great. I'm doing fantastic. Yeah. I'm ready to get into this. Uh, but before we get into this too far, I want to take a moment and remind our listeners that our podcast here at Blazer Gang is brought to you by Killer Burger. For today's episode, we enjoyed the peanut butter pickle bacon burger. I got it right for once. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you've never tried it before, you've got to get into a Killer Burger and try it soon. It's complete with a third pound beef patty, bacon, pickles, grilled onion, mayo, house sauce, and the best peanut butter sauce you can ever imagine. Wherever you are in the Port Metro area, they've got a location near you. So go check them out, tell them Blazer Gang sent you, and commit to the burger. Now, without further ado, he's the director of Maestro Sports, certified FIBA agent, and the manager of Ennis Cantor. I want to extend a warm welcome to Mr. Hank Fedich. How you doing, Hank? Good, good. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, welcome to the show. I know we were working on this for a little while. We're really glad to get you on. Yeah, I'm happy, I'm happy to be here. Happy to be part of Portland Trailblazers. Uh, looking forward to the future. Yeah, I like I love to hear that. Um, so our listeners might not be super familiar uh, with you. So can you give us just a little bit of background information for them uh, about what you do with Maestro Sports? Sure. Uh, so uh, as you know, I'm the director of Maestro Sports. Uh, we're a sports agency. We predominantly represent players in Europe, um, and then we also represent Ennis Cantor. But for Ennis Cantor, just uh, due to the nature of his contract on uh, political issues. 
we uh, we partner up with another agency called uh, Priority Sports for mm-hmm. contract negotiations. But essentially everything besides the contract, like endorsements, camps, PR, um, everything else we organize for Ennis. Okay. Uh, now I know Ennis has an older brother. Is that correct? That you guys work with as well? Actually, he's got two brothers and a sister. Uh, they're all younger than him. Um, his middle brother, Karim Kinter, he played for uh, Xavier University last year. They were the number one seed. Um, and then he played in France uh, uh, about six months ago. And then now he's playing Lithuania. He had a game this morning. And then nice. the youngest brother is still in high school. You got it? Go is his uh, younger brother got any looks? How old is he? Uh, the youngest brother is 17. Um, he, he's a decent player, but uh, I would not say to the same level as Ennis or Karim. Karim, sure. we actually thought he may make it to the NBA. He had workouts with OKC Thunder, with the Knicks, with the Hawks. Um, wasn't drafted, but we believe that in maybe two to three years he could probably make it to the NBA. Sure, but the youngest sure. one has a lot long road ahead of him. Right. Are you um, also going to be working with the youngest one too as well, like you were saying? Um, well, legally we can't represent any players until they're out of college. Oh, okay, um, gotcha. But yeah, yeah but in, in most cases you kind of have an idea, especially with younger players, uh, which way they're going to lead towards. So I would not be surprised if he leans towards us just because we have a relationship with the entire family. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. It sounds like the, the whole Cantor family is like got a lot of basketball talent, a lot more talent yeah, yeah, than my family. Pretty tall. <laughs> 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 Same here. I'm, I'm pretty short as well. So, <laughs> so I got a question here. Uh, how did you get involved as, you know, being a manager and working with Maestro Sports? Like, how did that begin for you? Because I know a lot of people have aspiring dreams of being an agent, working in sports marketing and things like that. But how did it all come sure. together for you? Sure. Uh, well, first of all, like I had this assumption that, you know, most people who are agents or managers studied sports management. But mm-hmm. it's really not the case. You know, most of them study some completely different while a lot do come from like the law background. Uh, me personally, I have a degree in, in physics and finance. Um, I want to be a physicist. I had really no interest in managing uh, players and becoming an agent. Uh, but I found myself like, you know, many people who like basketball, following basketball religiously. So I would skip classes to watch, you know, the Chinese League, the Filipino League, the South Korean League, NBA, EuroLeague, Euro Cup, and so on and so forth. Um, and then I just got lucky. Um, I went to Turkey, taught English. And I ended up returning back to the United States. And uh, Ennis was having surgery here in uh, Chicago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, met up with him. One thing led to another. And he asked me to uh, be his social media coordinator. And as you guys are probably aware, Ennis is kind of wild on social media. <laughs> <laughs> he fits right in here in Portland. <laughs> his last tweet was exactly, hilarious. Exactly. Oh, my God. You guys have so many like that. I wish we could share with you guys. Sometimes me and him will sit down and we're going to talk about some tweets and I'm like, please, Ennis, don't, don't say that. Like, <laughs> <my life>. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I, I can tell you guys one of them. He, there was a, a player who signed with a team and he was going to tweet. Uh, he was going to tweet um, next year that this team's um, broadcast will be exclusively televised on Animal Planet due to the amount of snakes on the team. <laughs> oh, I do remember seeing that tweet. <laughs> yeah. And I was yes. like, come on, bro, let's not do this. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, so yeah, um, so I was, just, I was doing PR for him, marketing, uh, social media, and then I became his uh, assistant and manager. Um, then I got certified and then just started collecting more players because when you're in that kind of world, it's pretty small. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're kind of able to reach more players, hang out with them. And most of these guys are really down to earth, uh, at least the players I've been in contact with. So I think 
through NS, I was able to reach a lot of players and that helped me a lot. That's interesting that you know that you had, you went to school for physics and finance with kind of no, no reason to get into, you know, managing or anything like that with players, but it just kind of like happened organically. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's, I think that's the trajectory for most agents, to be honest, like a couple other agents that I'm close with, you know, one guy studied English and another guy studied geography, but they just thought, you know, that's on me. They got close to a player. The player showed uh, a lot of like uh, love for them. You know, there's, there's one agent, um, who's a phenomenal, his name is Jason Glushin. He represents Al Horford. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was just kind of doing concierge services for Al Horford. And out of the blue, Al Horford decided to leave his agency. And he said, you know what, Jason, I want you to be my agent. And at this time, he wasn't even certified. And Jason said to him, like, are you sure? You know, like, I'm not really an agent. And Al said to him, listen, everybody needs a break. Um, mm-hmm. And that guy ended up signing Al Horford to a max contract in Boston. He also got Drew Holiday and other players as well. And he's just a great agent. And I think that speaks volumes about the industry. So there's a lot of agents now who are, you know, right fit where maybe 20 years ago was a much sleazier business, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, I think, like you said, kind of a sleazy business in the past because when you think of agents that kind of like uh, the greed with the money, money signs in the eyes kind of comes to mind. But it sounds like uh, you and, and a lot of other agents nowadays are kind of going the other way and, and making it more about the player than about the money behind the scenes. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's still some agents who are um, really kind of suspicious, mm. but there's definitely this trend where it's guys and girls now, actually I know a few girls who are certified as well, who are more interested in long-term stability for the player rather than short-term gains. Um, you know, there's people like Mark Bartlestein from Priority Sports, Jeff Schwartz, Jason Glushin, who are just, you know, outstanding people. And I think that's because that allows them to form a relationship with the teams because at the end of the day, that's really what matters. You know, you can negotiate contracts, but if you have a relationship with the team, you can negotiate playing time and other things as well. Mm-hmm. That's why we were very lucky with Portland. You know, um, I can tell you we had other teams interested in us. There was about five NBA teams that reached out to us and they said, hey, we want Ennis. Um, and we were kind of looking back and forth what to select. But as we spoke more and more with Portland, we like we realized, you know, this is the right fit. And then due to our, our other agent's relationship with Portland, he said, you know, I've worked with them for 20 years. This is the organization that you want to be with. And so we ended up turning down some really, really good clubs where people thought we were going to go. You know, for example, I'll give you one. Now the Lakers thought we were going to go there. Mm-hmm. Um, and we picked the Blazers over the Lakers. Yeah, that... That uh, that kind of made us a little bit, uh, gave us a little bit of uh, extra happiness here in Portland because of that rivalry. So when we heard that it came down to Lakers in Portland, we're like, yeah, take that L, Los Angeles. And now, hey, yeah, now, I think I saw you guys tweet. Sorry, go ahead. Oh yeah, no, I just uh, was wondering, you know, with that being said, how much of um the the text from Dame, like how influential was that decision making on Ernest uh, on Enos? Yeah, I can tell you that. It made a huge difference. So we were actually having dinner that day and, you know, we were really considering Lakers. Like, you know, whenever you have the Lakers interested in you and you're going to go to LA, it's a big thing. You know, we have other teams like Boston, uh, OKC, a few other teams that showed genuine interest. Um, and we're having dinner and NS reaches out to me and goes, bro, look who texted me. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, it's something simple like, Hey man, it's Dame. You know, I just want to like help you with the process. If you need anything, you got any questions, that kind of thing. And it wasn't just Dame. It was the GM reached out to us, the owner, a few other players. Um, and we were talking and we, I even told Dennis, I said, listen, man, you know, we want to be where we're wanted. 
and and Portland is where the players want us, the GM wants us, the owner. I said this is like that's what what home feels like. So it, it definitely helped. Uh, you know, I, I I would tell you right now, if we didn't get those texts, who knows what, what would have happened? But that definitely helped a lot. And mm-hmm. I think Ennis even feels more comfortable with the team now because he knows he's wanted there. Mm-hmm. So did you get um, did Ennis get any like other texts from other teams from the different players? Or was it just yeah? It just... was it was just like one player shooting like a small text that came in like you know if you have any questions like what can help with your decision but okay. nothing concrete right the concrete stuff it came from Portland and it wasn't just like a simple text it was more like you know if you have any questions this is what we suggest this is how we feel about the team multiple players you know multiple staff members consistently and and that's what kind of just made us made the decision a lot easier for us when you're wanted somewhere you want to go there. You know, perhaps sure. the, the exposure would be greater in L.A. or Boston, but who cares? He'd rather be in a team that competes day in and day out. And I think that speaks volumes. I think the last five games or six teams, they're five, they're five and one. Mm-hmm. Um, they'd be some solid teams. They beat Boston. They beat the Warriors. They were super close to beating Toronto, and they should have beat Toronto. Um, so I, I think that shows that we made the right decision instead of going to Lakers, which are like a one and six. Or Boston yeah. was and, struggling. And, and out of the playoff race, you know, let's throw that in there. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we should slide that in there. You're right. You're right. You know, they're three and a half games away. Um, and I think in Vegas, the odds of them making the playoffs are like 4%. Yeah, right. it's really yeah, so. low right now. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I, you know, that makes me smile also. I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm, I'm happy with our decision. So, you know, you talk about long-term, you know, you guys focusing on like long-term happiness and long-term fit over short-term gains. I know Portland has an interesting financial situation going forward, but if it's any indication of how his play so far this year, I think everybody in Portland would love to see him long-term. And if he's happy here, could you place the, uh, the odds on maybe him coming back for another season or two? Yeah, I can tell you it's pretty high. Um, we spoke about this last night and this morning. Um, I was letting Ennis know I was going to be on the podcast a couple of days ago. Um, and I was like, you know, Ennis, you guys should know off the re- actually on the record that he's just really easygoing. Like, you know, he, he's not like a typical NBA player. Mm-hmm. You know, me and him will travel the States and, you know, he's this wanted guy in Turkey. <laughs> we never have security. <laughs> we just kind of troll around <laughs> the States. Uh, but yeah, he's like, yeah, man, you can say anything you want. But you know, he loves Portland. And I said to him, I said, you know, would you want to come back here? And I said, like, let's well, cut straight to Chase. And he said, yeah, man, if I get like a multi-year offer and it makes sense, this is where I want to be. And he said, you know, I, I think he wanted to be in New York City when he was coming from OKC because it's a big market. And then when he got there and he saw how losing feels, because prior to New York City, he was always on winning teams, always going to playoffs. And I think it really just drained him emotionally. Um, and he didn't want to lose anymore. And so when we were looking for teams now, we wanted to be on a winning team, and we picked Portland. And I think now when he got there, he sees, he sees the team, the coaching staff, feels really comfortable. Um, so I do know he wants to return. Um, as you mentioned earlier, the, the issue is going to be uh, their, their financial situation. Because if I'm not mistaken, they got $126 million in guaranteed salary mm-hmm. next year. Mm-hmm. So they're in luxury. So what they got to do, they got to trade some guys, clear up some cap space. Uh, it's possible. It's possible. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't want Ennis to come there on a one-year deal. I'd want Ennis to come back on a three- or four-year deal. Yeah. You know, as a player, especially like now he's entering his prime, he wants to secure a long-term 
stability. Mm-hmm. So I, I can tell you, if, if Portland does offer him something long-term, don't be surprised if he signs there. I like to hear that because I love Cantor's personality on Twitter. I I, I just think back to the uh, the uh, press conference interview when he was back with the Knicks when they asked him about playoffs. And uh, when I think about playoffs, <laughs> my nipples right. get hard. <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, that guy's perfect for the, the culture in Portland and how we talk about keep Portland weird. Yeah. Portland loves yeah. people speaking their mind, being activists. I, he just fits in in so many ways, not only off the court, but on the court. So I really hope that uh, the two sides can come to some sort of agreement long-term because I would love to see him staying here. So Neil, if you're hearing yeah, this, <laughs> yeah, old Shay, open up that checkbook, man. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't, don't be cheap. Make it happen. We've kind of talked about this a little bit, but is there kind of like a pressure on finding that right fit for your clients? Yeah, you know, you always, um, like I said earlier, we're, we're fortunate to be working with Mark Bartlestein. He's, as far as I'm concerned, probably the best agent in the NBA. He represents about 35 or 40 players. Um, and he just does a great job. And he's the one who kind of guides us and he says, hey, listen, Mike, I know you are leading this way or I know you want this, but here's my experience. And what I've realized working with him is that fit is so important, you know, um, and that's kind of what you're seeing in Lakers right now. Yes, you have the, you know, hypothetically the best player in the world right now, but it's not a good fit with those other players and they're mm-hmm. losing. Um, and so there's other teams like, you know, the, the Nets who they don't have that one big all-star, maybe perhaps now D'Angelo Russell, but they're winning and there's other teams who are doing the same. So a fit is incredibly important. Um, so first you want to make sure that you secure long-term stability for the player. No players wants to come on a one-year contract unless like you're a vet 30 plus years. So you want the three or four years, but you also want to make sure that you're playing, that the city's a good fit for you, that you get along. Um, you know, there was this uh, notion with some players that they didn't want to play in Utah uh, for the longest time because they experienced like, uh, like ra- uh, racism when they were playing, you know, people mm-hmm. would shout at them. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys read it, but there was a story about an ESPN a couple months ago. Um, and so like players are, are kind of worried about that or some players don't want to go to Toronto because they may pay more taxes. Mm-hmm. Um, some players want to go to Miami because they don't pay any taxes at all. <laughs> um, and so it's, it's trying to find the right fit, not just on the core, but off the core personality. Um, and so there's cities like Portland that are just a good fit for Ennis based on like how active he is, you know, out, out, off the court doing political things. Um, how weird he is talking about his nipples, you know, whatever <laughs> it may be, you know? So I think that's, that's more important now than it was maybe 10, 15 years ago, especially with social media. Guys want to fit in their city and be active. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's definitely something that we look forward to. And right. Yeah. So, I mean, so far we see Cantor, you know, he's fitting in with the, you know, the weirdness of Portland, you know. Um, but, <laughs> Hank, with this, uh, your honest opinion, though, how how well do you think Portland will do for the remainder of the season and going into the playoffs? How Where, where sure. do you see the Blazers ending up? Well, I, I get honestly upset when people say, you know, Portland's going to exit the first round. Thank right. you. Upset because, you know, it, it bothers me because, you know, I, I was, I'm a uh, Toronto Raptors fan. I grew up in Canada and okay. people kept saying the Raptors will never make a second round. Well, you know, they made it farther last year and then this year they make it farther. Mm-hmm. You just have to create that kind of stability within the team. So I, if I'm not mistaken, they have 20 games left. Yeah. Um, yep. there, there, are, there are 38 wins. I think an average finish would be 12 and eight. That would bring them to 50 wins. That's probably going to secure top five. 
I think if they're between the three and five seed, they're definitely going to the second round. Um, I think a good finish would be like 15 and five. Okay. Um, Their schedule in, uh, in March is pretty weak. Yeah. yeah, it is really weak. The only downside they've had is they've had a lot of road games the yeah. last like couple of weeks, but they've done so well on the road, like incredibly well. Especially um, in the some, Eastern Conference. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Especially in the Eastern Conference against top teams, you know, beating Boston, beating Nets, who are, you know, getting a lot better now. Um, so yeah, if I didn't make a prediction, I could see them going 14 and six or 15 and five for the end. And then at least going to the second round and then second round is going to depend who their matchup is. You know, especially if there's injuries to other teams, you can see them going pretty far. And you know, if they can beat the Warriors, if they can beat the Celtics, anything is possible. The one thing that I look forward to more, um, you know, as a basketball fan is you see a lot of teams going small ball now and Mm. Portland is going big. So when you have Nurkic, who's a phenomenal player, great passer, who can defend, who can score. Um, and when he goes off, you put Ennis in, um, who's a, a great offensive player, great rebounder. So now the, the Blazers are one of the top, I think, top three in rebounding. And so that's going to take a toll on the smaller teams. And I think that's the way they can punish them. And I'm hoping they, they just destroy uh, in the playoffs and force other teams to kind of reconsider the way that they're playing. Mm-hmm. And with that, you know, with the addition of Cantor, you know, that's why I said a couple of weeks ago on the podcast is, you know, the team, the Blazers, we're just going big and we're mm-hmm. going against, you know, the status quo. You know, everybody wants to yeah. shoot threes and play small ball, but, you know, Portland is bringing it back, you know, going yeah. inside out. And I think that's what's going to benef- benefit us, you know, coming into the playoffs. Especially yep, the way I, our I team is structured. More. You know, we got the, we yeah, got the totally shooters agree. outside and two guys inside can kind of counteract so you can't focus on CJ and Dame as much because if you do, Cantor's one-on-one or Nurk's one-on-one mm-hmm. on the block. Because Cantor could get his exactly. own bucket. Yeah. I, I like his game, you know. Even from OKC, he, you know, he was reliant on getting his own bucket, even in New York. Granted, it was just not a winning situation, but Cantor, he, he can get his own bucket. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. And especially on this team, you know, with, with uh, CJ and Damian shooting threes, and you can either have Nurkic or Anderson there, you're going to gobble up some offensive rebounds. So you're getting mm-hmm. second chance points. And, you know, Ennis is always been a like below average passer. But the last couple of games, he, you know, he's been commanding double teams and he kicks it out for that open three. So that's definitely made a big difference for his game as well. So I think he's definitely going to space out the floor. And like you said earlier, once, you know, they try to collapse on the three, it leaves uh, the, the front court open. So there's going to be a lot of high percentage shots, I think. Now I want to talk a little bit about uh, some stuff off the court. As you mentioned, uh, we t- you you touched on the uh, political situation with Cantor uh, in his home country, but as a manager, uh, you know you kind of were on the inside with these negotiations, looking for new teams. Did that uh, situation have any sway in any conversations with other other teams? Um, yeah, that's a great question. I, I before we went in, I actually thought it would. I thought teams would be kind of hesitant mm-hmm. to take on a guy who's very political, but it wasn't. Like I said, we had about five teams who were interested in us and actively asking us questions like, Hey, what do you need? What are you looking for? You know, they were, they were courting us. It wasn't us like, you know, calling them and saying, Hey, like do you want me? It was the teams calling us and we kind of had the pick, which it, I'm not gonna lie. It surprised me because Ennis is like a very political guy. Um, and what I've realized, so as we talk to, uh, to GMs and owners more, I think they did their research. They realized what Ennis is talking about. And I think when they realized that, 
they said, hey, this guy's standing up for the right thing. It's not like he's just created, creating drama. Mm-hmm. He's generally kind of worried about his uh, safety. And they, once you do a little bit of research on Turkey, you, you start to see, you know, judges and journalists, doctors, lawyers are going to jail. I think about 140,000 people have been arrested in the last uh, two years. Wow. Mm-hmm. But yeah, majority of them, you know, intellectuals. Um, so I think that, that kind of makes it a bit easier uh, easier on the owners and the GMs knowing, like, at least he's standing up for a right cause. It's not like he's just doing something that's especially that's difficult in the United States. It's kind of away from the United States. So I don't think it impacts him too much. But that was a surprise for me. I thought it was definitely going to impact him more than it is. So no matter what, though, <clears throat> would, I mean, based off since it's, what, Cantor is supposed to get a U.S. citizenship by 2021, correct? Exactly, exactly. So no matter what, right now. So as of now, then no matter what, Toronto would have been out of the question. Yeah, um, you know, th- theoretically speaking, hmm. um, he may like he could go to Canada, okay. uh, but the way the Interpol works is like this. So there's an Interpol red notice on him by Turkey. U.S. doesn't like accept it. So if he, let's say, he goes with a team somewhere, he comes back to U.S., no problem. Sure. Because U.S. doesn't abide by Interpol rules. Okay. However, Canada, they will just detain you and then start looking at the process. So I think the the Blazers were more worried, hey, he's going to enter the country just because it's outside of U.S. They're going to detain him for like two or three days mm-hmm. and eventually let him go because there's not you know no, no evidence against him. Mm-hmm. But they just didn't want to have the headache. So theoretically, he could travel, but it's just a small chance that he may get even arrested after being detained. Who knows? Mm-hmm. So that's why we're not risking it. That, you know, he's been in Canada, I think, like six months ago, but we just don't want to take the chance, especially so close to the playoffs. Right. Yeah, so, keep, him, keep him stateside. So keep I, stateside. No, I was just saying, hypothetically, if he didn't sign with the Blazers, Toronto would have been out of the question, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I don't think he would have signed there. Yeah. Um, and they, were, they weren't one of the teams that reached out to us right. either. I think they're so big on big <laughs> yeah. with Gasol and, Siakam, yeah, and Baca. They're yeah, loaded in the front court. Phenomenal. Yeah. Shaka's yeah. phenomenal. I love him. So as, as a manager, because I know I, I've listened to a few interviews and read a little bit of stuff uh, from Cantor on, on online interviews and stuff like that, and he talks about his family and, and people he knows and stuff like that, do you have any worries for yourself personally as somebody who's working with him? Um, well, I didn't before, but about uh, two years ago, I was going to go uh, to Turkey Mm-hmm. Um, and I bought a flight and everything. And about about 10 days before I flew it, I got a call from the embassy, the Canadian embassy in Turkey, saying, don't come. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. said, what do, you, what do you mean don't come? They said, well, listen, you're like, so Turkey has something called like a red notice list. It's private. So they can put your name on. So when you land in the country, they'll arrest you. But mm-hmm. they don't make it public. So, but I guess the embassy has access to it. So the embassy said to me, like, if you come, you're going to be detained. And if you get detained, you could, it was, at that time, it was a state of emergency. Mm-hmm. You could be held in, you know, held for about a year or two without any charges being filed. And I was asking, like, well, what's the reason? And they say, you know, because you're, you're working for this guy who's wanted by the government. Um, and I, I heard even a story from Ennis that one of the coaches uh, from OKC Thunder, I think he, I don't, I don't know if it was Israel. He either went to Israel or he went to Egypt. And on his way back, he had a layover in Istanbul, which is one of the major hubs. And on his layover there, he got questioned. They're saying, do you know Mr. Cantor? How is he? What does he do? Like they, you know, like a full-out interview about Ennis to this coach. Wow. And they let him go. Yeah, which was kind of bizarre. He never made it to the news. 
but it happened. And it, that kind of worried me a bit more. At this point now, like just like NSA, the fact that I'm in the United States, you know, we have due process here, mm-hmm. um, a lot of transparency. I'm not too worried. But I, if I went to Turkey, for sure, I would definitely have issues there. There's no question about that. Man, it feels like you guys are living living out a movie scene, man, <laughs> like from Safe House <laughs> or Take It, you know? Like, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we get to meet a lot of, you know, senators and politicians. I just uh, we saw were, uh, he, he met with uh, with one of the Joe representatives Kennedy. today, right? Yeah, Joe Kennedy, um, oh, in, nice. I think in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. But the coolest one we met, we met with... Uh, but Congressman Adam Schiff is on the Senate and oh, he's on the intelligence committee. Mm-hmm. So we met him in like in a secure room and <laughs> it was phenomenal. We've had some amazing interviews and, and meetings. That's good. It's, I know Ennis has said this in his interviews, but with somebody having that kind of platform, it's just, it makes me feel good. It, it kind of warms my heart to know that he has the heart to speak out about that and not just keep quiet, you know, not like they say, uh, with LeBron James, shut up and dribble. He he's not shutting up. Exactly. You know, he's more than an exactly. athlete. And you know, I'd like to add out. Um, I really respect everything Ennis does, especially because uh, my background I'm Tibetan. So with the whole um, situation with China and Tibet, and Ennis yep. being able to use his platform to speak like that, um, <clears throat> maybe one day you know there's maybe a Tibetan like sports player that gets up there like Ennis is and steps mm-hmm. up and does what you know does the job like that. And I really respect everything he does. <clears throat> yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, you know, like you said, yeah, what's happened with China is trying to silence the people in Tibet. Yeah. And, you know, when you have someone who's going to speak, like, upon your cause, it, it means the world. You know, sometimes I have, you know, I've been traveling with tennis this past summer, and I said, man, like, you know, you have a $70 million contract. You can just quiet down and buy a yacht and just live the most comfortable life. Right. Why don't you? And he always tells me, he says, like, listen, man, like, yeah, my life is good, but what about the 140,000 people in jail? you know, the 300,000 people who are being persecuted, right. like I'd rather like sacrifice myself and, and help many more people, you know, and for like a 25 year old to say that, and it's been saying that since he was 21, it's pretty amazing. You know, I'm 29 years old. I'm pretty young myself, but I don't think I'd have that kind of fortitude. I'd be one of those guys with a, on a yacht, you know, <laughs> chilling. but you know, I, I don't have that in me, but I'm, I'm glad to be surrounded with someone who's like that. Yeah, I, I, you know, kudos, man. I tip my hat to yeah. him. Much it's respect. Bigger than that. basketball. Yeah, exactly. definitely bigger, bigger, bigger than, than basketball. basketball. Uh, so yeah, what, yeah, you know, yeah. Good. Let's take a let's take a pivot here and uh, recap some of these games from this last week. Uh, did you have a chance to catch the uh, games, Hank? We had yeah, the Cavs, the Celtics, the Raptors. Yep. Yep. All of them. Yeah. So, with the Cavs game, you know, seventy-one points in the first half. Yeah, and then the the third quarter just completely pissed all that away. And they came back in the fourth. They had a good fourth quarter. But, I mean, that game was kind of wild to me because it's the Cavs. I, I didn't think it would be that close. And I've watched a lot of Blazer games over my life. In that third quarter when they were coming back, in the fourth quarter, I'm having flashbacks to all these games. <laughs> like, well, we should have won that one, but we lost by one. Um, yeah. Who do we have in that game? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I watched that game too, and you know it sh- it shouldn't have been that close. That's why I kept thinking to myself. I can like it should not be this close. It should not be this close. They should have blown him out by twenty or thirty. Yeah, but I think uh, you know they probably went to the locker room feeling pretty damn good about themselves, um, and then they came out. And you know one thing I realized in the NBA, every team will go on a big run. 
all you got to do is kind of weather the storm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they weathered the storm, but then they had some other like issues in the fourth quarter, but they ended up tidying it up. And I think that's what separates a good team and a bad team is how do you finish the game? Mm-hmm. And they Very still true. finished with a win, you know, and that's why when we watched the Raptors game last night, you know, as much as I love Portland, you know, Toronto's a really, really good team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, things were going back and forth, back and forth, and they ended up closing it. Um, and I think that's what makes elite teams. And so I, I would personally put Portland as a top five team. You know, and I would put probably Toronto at like two or three. So it was a very good game to watch. But yeah, you know, they managed to close against Cleveland. And I think that's what made me happier. Otherwise, it'd be a tough week. Yeah. You talk about closing games. That's exactly what they did in Boston the very next game. Yep. Uh, exactly. Which I was really impressed with. That was kind of like one of those gritty kind of at this point in the year, it kind of gives your team an identity. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it wasn't it wasn't a blowout. It wasn't, you know we're up by 20 and then we almost lost. It was just all the way through. I'm looking at the, you know, the stat sheet right now, one point game at halftime. We made a few adjustments, uh, during the break and, and took a lead in the third and just held on. Uh, but Cantor, you know, eight points, seven rebounds off the bench, good quality rebounds too, keeping the ball alive. Uh, I just, I, I can't say it enough. I love, what he does with the second unit and how he just, he goes after every single possession. He's always working himself into a, into the right spot, whether he's on the ball side, off the ball side, he's looking for a little crease to get into. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah Pearl is super deep right now. So that that's why, you know, we, we just talked about closing games. That's why when people say, Hey, you know, sorry, Blazers, you know, you're going to be out the first round. I laugh at that because seeing how well they close games, which is what you need in the playoffs and see how deep they are. You know, their second bench is strong. And, you know, Evan's not even back. When Evan comes back, he's another good defender as well, uh, and a guy who can score and pass and distribute. So I, I really believe they're going to go pretty deep in the playoffs. Uh, to, to show you how confident we are, you know, we were just planning the NS Cantor like summer camp. So uh, we have to plan when we're going to start right after the season. And NS even himself told me, listen, like, don't plan until like sometime in May like sometimes when the, when uh, the finals or the conference finals start. Mm-hmm. And I was like, do you think it's going to take that long? He's like, yeah, yeah, I, I believe like, this team is solid. See, he, you know, he the, speak, the, he's speaking yeah. it into existence. Exactly. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, I love the, the guys, confidence. Love the coaches. You know, yeah, he's been here for two weeks. And... In. <laughs> They're good. So we got the, the Raptors. The last game of this week was the Raptors and the Blazers. Two-point loss, unfortunately. Uh, it was a, a good fourth quarter. Uh, we just couldn't quite compete the comeback. In your opinion, Hank, you know, Kawhi Leonard, 38 points. He's he's a man among boys sometimes, but who on the Blazers roster would you like to see see guard him in the fourth quarter coming down that stretch? Because he just seemed to just have an answer every single time. It's tough. It's tough. Like, you know, he's, he's a solid player. He, you know, arguably the best two-way player in the NBA. Um, so it's tough to put someone on him. Honestly, I would, I would put Alfredo Camino on him. He's long. Um, but it's tough. There's, there's really no answer for him. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was tough, but I would have probably put Alfredo Camino because he's long and, and he, he's a decent defender. He could have done something there. But the way I looked at that game was, I, I don't think the players b- truly believe they were going to win that game. That, that's a top team. It's away. You're on the road. Mm-hmm. This huge long road trip. I think they're even kind of surprised how close they were. And not many people expect you to win against Toronto on the road. And the fact that they came so close, I think that, that's, that's as good as a win in my eyes. Right? Yeah, the guys are going to get closer. Yeah, they said, this is, hey, this is where we're at. 
we're, we're competing with one of the top teams of the league on a, on a, like, like on the fifth game on a road trip. Like it's good. It's solid. Yeah, because I, I I had them losing to Toronto and Boston, but we snuck out and yeah, got that did. Boston win. But with Toronto, I think it was a great showing. You know, they showed grit, they showed heart. You know, like you said, yep. it's a long long road trip. But they came out firing, and and I was I was very surprised and very impressed by the effort that the Blazers gave. And I just I wish Ennis was there. I, I, I really know. genuinely yeah. wonder what it would have been like if because I know Nurkic <laughs> had those early fouls, foul yeah, trouble that hurt us. Uh, I you know. Oh. I mean, we would have won. And I, yeah, that's, we would have won. Like what yeah. you're saying, Hank, I like, I hate using ifs, but it's like if Nurkic didn't get those first couple fouls right away, if we had Ennis, we had Turner. If, if we had Turner, well, if also, you know, Toronto only missed one or two more shots, we would be in the game like that. So it's like all exactly. these ifs and, and at the same time, we, we, all those ifs can just be canceled out right away, which is nice. Mm-hmm. And we only lose by two. We were down by nine. Um, I think coming late into the third quarter, and a lot yep. of people are saying, "Oh, it's game over." I'm like, "No, it's not game over yet." We just look at look at what we can do, and and exactly. look what we did. We came back, and you know Ooh, that last second. I mean, mm-hmm. Kawhi's like shot lasted probably around six seconds until <laughs> it went into the hoop, so we didn't even get any <laughs> yeah. chance to you know. That hurt. <laughs> yeah, that that hurt. If that, yeah. if that goes straight yeah. through, we got a chance to get it in and at least get a half court shot, not yeah. a yeah. not a full court heave. Or if we had a timeout too, that would have been a great, you know, 1.5 second timeout. Yeah. Uh, they got a shot up. But yeah, like, you know, it's a game that I think the players and the coaching staff can definitely be proud of. It was a solid game. You lost. You can't win them all, but it was a good showing. Guys played hard. They competed. So, so while we're talking happy. on the uh, Raptors real quick, before we move on, uh, I've heard a lot, a little bit of rumblings. Kenny the Jet, uh, Michael Rappaport, a couple Charles of, Barkley, a couple of people have said, "Don't yeah. be surprised to see a, a Raptors Blazers final." But with the situation with Cantor, how's that going to play out? I mean, if it's a lot of ifs to that point, but if we got to that point, uh, that's kind of a, a little bit of an unfair playing uh, field if if we have to lose our backup center. Um, I, I think at that point we would be able to figure something out. Just say you know, screw it. I, like I said earlier, yeah, I'd say like screw it. Like you I'll know, be one of the bodyguards, security. man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll figure something out. We'll, we'll like sneak him into like a cargo. You know, we'll, <laughs> we'll think of something. You know? That's a big cargo bin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Just say it's a basketball um, hoop, right? <laughs> yeah, we'll we're bringing our own basketball hoops. We don't trust the Canadian ones. But um, yeah, I think if if it came to that and it was the Blazers and uh, Toronto in the finals. I know, and he would he would be willing to risk everything and go there. It just uh, in a in a season of eighty two games, mm-hmm. you risk it for one game. Yeah, um, but in the playoffs, you know, you you don't you you go for that. So I'm not I'm not too worried about that. But you know, like I swear to you, I've been thinking the same thing. I, I see uh, Toronto going in uh, coming out of the East, and for the West, you know, I, I hate to say it, I, I see the Warriors or Portland because just their depth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Denver is good, but I really would love for, um, for the Blazers to play, uh, Denver in the playoffs because they've historically done pretty well against them. Um, yeah. I want to see with, a, with Houston. I want to see a second round matchup with Denver. That's why I'm hoping we can get that three seed. Yeah. Denver's the two seed meet up with them second round. And then even in the first round, you know, we could probably match up with the jazz at that six spot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course, you know, Cantor was. Drafted by a them. little extra juice, a little, a little something going yes. on right there, yeah. you know. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, I think the the road for them to uh, the finals 
if they get the third seed, is pretty good. Um, and even if they're a fourth seed and they go with, with uh, let's say, the Rockets, they have a lot of lot of potential to make it pretty deep. You know, I, I think it's going to be a phenomenal, phenomenal series in the West this year. I'm going to look for all the teams. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm, I'm hoping they make it far. I mean, I think that's going to help the team chemistry out. I think just because their depth players get injured in the playoffs, you know, let's say you're playing, you know, the, the Denver or you're playing the Warriors. They may see some guys go down and then it's an, it's an open championship. It's open for everybody. Mm-hmm. So this road trip right now, we're sitting at four and one. We did some predictions last week. Uh, Andre, unfortunately, you're out of the running. Uh, seven and oh <laughs> is not possible, yeah, but I love the confidence. Yeah, um, I was going to say that too. <laughs> everyone else in here went five and two, which we might go six and one. So we might all be wrong. Although I'm happy to take the loss there if we go six and one. Uh, mm-hmm. What did what did you think going into that that stretch? Because a few months ago, looking at that stretch, and it was just like, man, that could be make or break. Mm. Uh, but now we're all feeling, you know, we're confident. We're riding high here in PDX. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I'm I'm leaning towards what you guys said. I was going to say five and two. Um, you know, I'm being you know six and one now. Is or if we finish six and one, that'd be amazing, mm-hmm. especially on the road. I, I think sometimes. If you're, you don't see the players on a daily basis and realize how much of a struggle it is to go on the road, how much players hate it, um, you know, it, it just, it hurts you. And then um, I think every team gets this 14 day road trip um, every year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Ennis did it once with the Knicks and now he's doing it with Portland. And so even when we were tra- planning on signing with Portland, he looked at the schedule and he's like, shit, <laughs> we still got this 14 day road trip. So he's been with Portland now for two weeks, and he hasn't played in Portland yet. Yeah, um, you also so add to the fact yeah. that uh, Portland travels more miles than anybody else in the mm-hmm. league. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's so it's it's a tough one. So the fact that they're go- doing so well, if they finish six and one, I'm going to be happy. But I, I was going to say five and two. But then again, you know, they can definitely take out Charlotte tomorrow. It's they should definitely get that win tomorrow. That's a breakfast game, right? Early, early yeah, breakfast yeah, exactly. with the Blazers. Now, yeah, the consistency yeah. around here is um, it's a five and two record, and you know, like you said, it's a long road trip. You know, the team they'll have time to build camaraderie, and with the recent incident being stuck in the elevator out there in Boston, <laughs> um, you know that I think that gave them a good good chance to bond, right? With forced that. bonding, well, forced, forced bonding. bonding, correct, correct. Did Ennis give you a call when he was stuck in there? Yeah, yeah, he did. You know, uh, he was talking about the whole deal, how certain guys ate the food, certain guys didn't eat. So I'll, at least now, I told Ennis, like, you know the pecking order now. Yeah. If you guys are an island, you know who's going to eat who first. <laughs> that was like the Hunger Games in there for 30 minutes. <laughs> Shout out to Emerson College uh, for the hospitality, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, there was uh, this one story, uh, I think it was about three years ago. A player came from an opposing team to play against the Knicks, um, and he got in a, in a taxi he told the taxi driver to take him to Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. And when the taxi driver realized who the guy was a player, he took him to New Jersey and dropped him off. Yeah, the player showed up like 35 cold. minutes of the game. <laughs> yeah. Hey, fandom doesn't die. <laughs> yeah, I definitely don't. I mean, I would do the same thing. Like, oh, okay, you're, you're LeBron James? Let me take you somewhere. I'm going to take you to Seattle. We might, right. get, we so, might get stuck in traffic. Honestly, I'll take there. him to my house so we can hang out. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's a really nice guy, actually. Yeah. So, 
Listeners, if you haven't heard it already, uh, the Blazers team, uh, most of the team was stuck in an elevator for 30 minutes uh, the day before the Boston game, going to, pra- going to practice at Emerson College. Uh, there was a few guys that uh, live streamed it, put it up on Facebook and, and things like that. And uh, the big joke is that Evan Turner brought, uh, he had two, two granola bars in his, in his uh, I don't know what you would call it, his knapsack. A satchel or something. His satchel, yeah. <laughs> two, two granola bars. <laughs> He said, I'm going to keep one for myself and you guys can split the other one. What was it? Eight ways. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Lillard then presumes to just grab it, breaks it in half and eats half of it and then gives (laughs) the rest to everybody else. So we know the leader of this. I think they just go off points shares, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, he said after he said, I needed to get some energy so I could break out of here. So maybe he's doing it in hindsight with a little bit of valor. He wanted to get energy, get out of there and help his teammates out. (laughs) It's just a funny situation. But I got a yeah, question for you guys. Let, let's throw this around yeah. real quick. Hank, we'll start with you. If you had to be stuck in an elevator with one current blazer, who would it be? No, you can't pick Cantor. Oh. <laughs> I would honestly pick Evan Turner. Um, everyone I talked to says wonderful things about him. And he was one of the first guys when we signed that he started tweeting about it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'd definitely pick Evan Turner. That. He's a cool guy. Him or the second will be Yusuf Nurkic. So I speak Bosnian. I, I was born in Bosnia. Uh-huh. So I can definitely talk to him. Now, uh, what about you, Wang? Oh, this is a tough decision, but um, I'd probably go with Zach Collins. Zach oh, Collins. Zach. Yeah, he's, uh, he seems like a very um, impressionable dude that I can just like chill with in the elevator for, you know, I don't know, a couple hours and be like, yo, what's going on? When are we getting, when are we getting the hell out of here? <laughs> like, Definitely Zach Collins. He he seems, I mean, he's probably one of the ones closer to my age. I'm 25. He's 21. I can talk to him about a lot of stuff. So. Fortnite. Or whatever yeah, Fortnite, whatever, these days. whatever we kids do these days. <laughs> what about uh, you, boy? Um, I'm going to have to agree with Hank, and I'll go with Evan Turner, but I'll tell you why. He was the only guy that was prepared. He had, he had right. two granola bars. Whether he knew that was going to happen or not, he was ready for anything. And if we're going to be stuck in there for more than 30 minutes, I'm going to get a little bit hangry. I'm going to yeah. need one of those. I'm sure, uh, I'm sure Evan Turner would, would share if he has extra. Yeah. Um, well, how about you, Chris? As for me, I think I'll probably get stuck in the elevator with Dame. Dame. Only because, you know, you, you want to kill time, you know. So I think, right. you know, him being a, a fellow MC, you know, Four Bar Friday, I think we could do some freestyling, you know? Hey, Pass so. the time. You got yeah. anything to drop for us now? Man, I might have something. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, something, I'll, go, something. I'll go off the top. All right. Um, I'm going to start off like Dame. You know what time it is. It's Dre Boyd and Wayne and your boy, Young Chris. Blair's your gang every Saturday. We all in the studio and we run the game now like a four by four. The squad got stuck in the elevator, but they still going up. Postseason, I got my money on the team, so you better double up. <laughs> like Nurk in the post or Dame when it's crunch time. Quote Wayne when I say, check the scoreboard, give me mine. Y'all tell him, don't worry about it. This, that splash. And don't forget, y'all, it's still a rip city on the ass. Oh, that's some, that's yeah. some heat right there. I think there we might go. have to have a new intro song here. New intro. <laughs> you know, shout out Dame. You know, Four Bar Friday. I'm trying to get on there, man. Hashtag yeah. Four Bar Friday. Yeah. I love it. There you go. That's good stuff, brother. Well, uh, Hank. I know everyone at Blazer Gang wants to extend a, a big thank you for coming on our show. Uh, we want to welcome you and Cantor to Rip City. Uh, we love having you guys here. 
Uh, we can't wait to see uh, what the future can hold for you guys. And uh, hopefully uh, we can have you back on the show closer to playoff time. We'll get into those, uh, those real gritty playoff predictions. Yeah. yeah I was, you know, honestly, guys, thanks again for having me. Um, I will always make myself available to you guys, especially near the playoff time. Um, I'll be in Portland uh, March 6th to 8th, or 6th to 10th. So I'll try to talk to Ennis and get him on your show in the next couple of days. Yeah, for that'd sure. be great. That'd we'll, be awesome. uh, we'll be in contact, see what we yeah. can set up. Tell him, tell him he better have his bars ready and, and drop a four bar Friday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Come prepared. Right. Um, yeah, I got you guys. Well, thanks oh, again. Yeah. Uh, thanks again, Hank. And for our listeners, that was Hank Fedich. He is the director at Maestro Sports, manager for Ennis Cantor. Uh, thanks again, Hank. And we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, guys. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Thanks, man. So thanks again to Hank Fedich for the interview there. Hopefully we can set something up in the future with him and uh, Cantor. But uh, I got a few points that I want to touch on with you guys here, Chris and, and Wang. One thing that really stood out to me was the way that Hank was talking about his fit with Portland and why they're more concerned about fit and long-term happiness and things like that as opposed to just the short gain you know, a, a three-month rental. And obviously, we talked about the financial situation, but if they can figure something out, it sounds like he wants to be here. Do you guys want to see him here long-term? How about you, Chris? I, I would love Cantor to be here long-term. I think he fits well with the city, even with the team, um, his personality. It's just a great fit from what I've seen so far. Um, if O'Shea, you know, works mm-hmm. something with the books, make it copacetic, I think it'll be a great fit. Um, and that's that's basically pretty much what I could take from the interview with Hank. Well, Shay's usually pretty good about keeping the guys here too. Like maybe he can work something out depending on trades and trade exceptions, things like that. Uh, but what about his on the court Wang? You, would you like to see him? It, what he brings to the team? Would you? Does that, is that going to help us out long term? Oh, most definitely. Um, he's 26, like Hank was saying. He's about to reach his prime. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, especially if let's just say all things considered, knock on wood. Um, let's say Nurkic gets hurt or something. We have that. We have Ennis right there to just be able to, you know, push back up on to the first string yeah. or even second string as well, which he's already been doing. So, um, it, and I feel like we only have seen a small sample of it, um, Ennis as it is right now. So, what else could he bring on to this new offensive um, tempo that he hasn't really touched up on? Yet, so yeah, he's still got to be like, getting used to yeah. sets and running mm-hmm. the plays, make the correct read. So it's, it's only going to get better. And we saw against Toronto when Nurk had foul trouble, the wheels fell off at the center position because yeah. we didn't have Cantor. With him in the, in the mix, that changes. You know, all bets are off at the center. Right. Nurk gets in trouble. We've got a guy just as good to back him up. Uh, but the other interesting interesting thing was just him speaking on uh, the whole situation with Cantor's home country in Turkey and how he's got the red notice out for him. He's kind of, he's literally being treated as a criminal mm-hmm. uh, by Interpol and by Turkey. And it's affecting what he, how he can do his job. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's just really unfortunate that he can't do his job to the best of his abilities and he uses talents and, and all that. Uh, but at least he's he's doing the right thing and and speaking out. Um, not everybody has the uh, the cojones to do that, <laughs> right? You know, I, I'd, I'd call Cantor kind of like the Bruce Wayne Batman <laughs> of okay. comics, just the way because he's the vigilante man. He's doing what needs to be done when the people don't 
don't understand or the mm-hmm. political situation doesn't really understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's real life. Yeah, it, it for sure is. And, and with the interview with Hank, um, you know, it shed some light on on the situation. And I learned a few things. And um, it's definitely much bigger than basketball. I said it earlier in the in the interview, but it's definitely much more bigger than basketball. So I think um, with his situation, Portland will embrace him. And only things could get better from here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he'll definitely fit right in here, you know, with mm-hmm. all the activism in Portland. Uh, but... Wayne, you said you, you see him as a Bruce Wayne Batman. I think we got to make that into some kind of T-shirt. We definitely <laughs> should. Right. I'm down for that. So what what else happened this week uh, in the news? Uh, I don't know. Something exciting about CJ or something like that. CJ McCollum. Might have gotten something. Some a kind little of bit of a recognition. Yeah. So CJ got his number retired at his alma mater, Lehigh. Uh, those of you who may or may not remember, he played uh, at Lehigh in college. He was... 2010 and 2012 Patriots Men's Player of the Year. I had to look it up. Who got it in 2011? Mike Muscala. Yeah, Muscala. Yeah, really. Which, yes. They were. They must have been battling for a few years. Uh, if he split, if he was able to get that 2011, you know. Uh, but he's all-time leading scorer in Patriot League history. Three-time first team, three-time All-Tournament team for the Patriot League, uh, and and. What a lot of people know is his claim to fame was that 2012 NCAA men's tournament. That hurt me. Dude, Blue Devils. Are you a Blue me. Devils fan? Oh, I bleed blue. <laughs> see, we, we got problems. See, I'm Tar Heels all day. Yeah. Oh, see, so Tobacco Road. Yeah, yeah. okay. I have, I have no horse in this race. I lose a so lot of money. Or I, you and, I lose a lot of money or I win a lot of money. Let me tell you that shit. <laughs> no, but CJ, he definitely went off that game. Um, I want to say he had 30 points. Mm-hmm. Um. 15th seed that be the second seed for the second night. It, it was crazy. Like that's what put him on the map. To be honest, yeah, like, in my eyes, the, that was only I, the sixth yeah. time it happened in history. Yeah. I watched that game. Like, what? What is? What is going on right now? Mm-hmm. Like, this is th- this is all bad news. Who is this CJ guy? And then I see him pop up on the Blazers radar. I'm like, geez, if he does that to my Blue Devils, he mm-hmm. better be doing that to every team in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember after that game, I was like, this guy's like Jamal Crawford. Like, he's got right, handles, right. and he can put the shot up. And, of course, we know the rest is history. Drafted 10th by Portland, and uh, now he's here, and we love him for it. Well, that's going to wrap it up for us today here in the studio. Make sure you guys are checking out blazergonian.com. Get yourself a Rip City on the Ass t-shirt before they are sold out. Uh, check out on, on Blazergonian. We also got Rip City Rant. We've got some new writers, Brody Vogue, Johnson McCrary. Shout out to you guys. They're coming out with heat every single week. Uh, And it's not just game recaps. They're talking about leadership with Dame. They're talking about the fit with Cantor. They're talking about things that that don't show up in the stat sheets. So check those out. Make sure you like and follow us on all our social media and subscribe and rate us on uh, Spotify, iTunes, and Google Music. Last but not least, shout out to Young Jordan. For our music, check them out on Spotify. That's Y-U-N-G, Jordan. Our producers behind the scenes doing all the hard work, Derek and Brian. Henry V Events for the wonderful studio and equipment every week. Killer Burger for keeping us fueled up. And as always, Rip City on the Ass. Rip City on the Ass.